for me to, at that point, to see the gospel in that lens, and, and for me to not keep score of God's grace towards me on my terms, but on His, mm, yeah. man, that, that changed everything. That's Daniel Ritchie, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family, uh, sharing how he's found hope in the midst of intense physical challenges. I do hope you'll stay with us for uh, this conversation as we hear powerful truths to ground you in difficult circumstances. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. John, one of the most famous verses uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament book of Philippians, is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's right there in Philippians 4.13. It's often used as that motivational mantra mm. to uh, you know, make you climb the mountain or do better, whatever it might be. Uh, but when the Apostle Paul wrote that, I can do all things, he was really uh, meaning it for the difficult things. Uh, you know, The content, if you look at it, is about suffering. So even in suffering, as Paul was expressing, uh, was his singular goal to honor the Lord in that suffering and to glorify God. And I don't know about you, but that's not always my initial reaction. I'd rather say, yeah, Lord, help me to attain this mountain or to do better on Friday night football, right? I can remember in high school praying that. Uh, but I wonder uh, what each of you listeners, what you would respond to that. How does that passage speak to your heart? Is it one to attain a higher level or to get through a really difficult situation? Mm -hmm. And our guest today has dealt with adversity. I'm so looking forward to this discussion with Daniel Ritchie and uh, his expression. And he has lived an amazing life, and you'll learn more in a moment. Yeah, born without arms, uh, Daniel and his wife Heather and their two children live in North Carolina. He's a writer and a speaker, and we'll be covering some of the content in his book, My Affliction for His Glory. Daniel, welcome to Focus on the Family. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to it, really. Uh, just reading through the book and the the prep that was done, uh, man, what a life story you have. And, you know, you're used to sharing it as a speaker. I'm going to try to help the listener and just lead through this amazing story. And I know our listeners are going to resonate with your heart. Um, first, I guess, tell us what it's like to navigate every day with no arms. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly complicated. You know, the, the world we live in is made by people with arms, for people with arms. And, and so yeah. there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, opening a door is like a multi-step process for me. You know, using a cell phone, dry, you know, it's like there, there's ways around it, but it's just, it's a little bit, bit more complicated. Right, but you know what's amazing, just watching you uh, as we started getting going here, you use your feet amazingly well, mm. almost as a person would use their hands. Yeah, yeah. And that is, uh, I mean, right there is a triumph for yeah. you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, at, at this point for it to, I mean, literally be second nature. And it's yeah. like, even even for me to get up some mornings and it's like, I'll look in the mirror when I'm waking up and be like, oh, yeah, I don't have arms. You know, it's like, right. I, I think one of the most apparent things about me, sometimes I just forget because this is just, this is all I've ever known. Let's take everybody back to your birthday, literally mm. your mm. birthday day. Yeah. And what took place in the delivery room, your mom, dad, doctors there, the nurses, they're expecting a 
you know, a fully healthy child, right? Yeah. There was no di- pre-diagnosis. No, no. I mean, I mean, in the my disability wasn't on their radar at all, even though, you know, mom had two ultrasounds, healthy pregnancy. They just didn't catch it. No, not at all. And and so no, nobody knew until the doctor's holding me in the delivery room. And then in that moment, not only am I born without arms, but I was born not breathing or moving. Mm-hmm. And so the, the doctor just very quickly showed me to my dad so dad could see I didn't have arms. And then he asked my dad, do you just want us to let him go? And so I think it's like the, the double, the double edged shock of the moment that it's like, okay, we, we have a boy that, that is literally born dead and he's born without arms. And and so, I mean, I mean, I'm sure for my parents it's such an overwhelming moment. Yeah. Before we get to your dad's response, which Mm. is awesome. And I want to make sure people hear that. That's not an uncommon story. I have many mm. friends that have had uh, children born with spina bifida, Down syndrome, whatever it might be. And these doctors do exactly that. It's oh. kind of like what they're learning to say in med school. Mm-hmm. Would you like to let it, your child die? A hundred percent. And I, I mean, it, not every parent is saying no. Yeah, yeah. But what did your dad say? No, my, my dad just looked at the doctor and he said, that's my son and you need to do whatever it is that you can do to try to bring him back. Mm, that's awesome. I, I know, man. I mean, and, and it's like without pause, without hesitation. I mean, it was just it was just the response that I think just came out of his core. Um, you face some frustrating moments uh, learning how to do the everyday tasks that we're watching you right here in the studio do with your feet. What was that like as a child growing up yeah. uh, just to function as best as possible without arms? Yeah, I think I think the hardest part for me is, you know, just just for us as humans, we're visual learners. And so I didn't have I didn't have a model, you know, I, I didn't have someone like I could see and repeat. Um, and, uh, and and so a lot of a lot of my formative years just learning how to either write or eat or, you know, just do daily tasks. It was like I would watch my parents and see the end result. And then I would try just through trial and error to find my my path toward that final destination. And so there was a lot of failure. Yeah, I can, uh, moving forward through your childhood where the innocence is there and you're mm-hmm. trying to learn how to do things and you got the protective covering of your parents. I'm sure there were some things in elementary school that made it tough, but like everybody, you get to junior high. I mean, I can't imagine Hmm. what you went through. Describe some of that for us. Yeah, I I mean, it it ran the range from, uh, you know, I think what we would think of as as stereotypical middle school bullying, you know, name calling, you know, roughhousing, stuff like that. But then I I think too, as I got into middle school, I started to become aware, I think, of just the the greater public because it was like for me, everywhere I go, like my two empty sleeves, it it just draws attention. And so so going out in public, it's lots of stares. It's rude comments. It's, you know, even even as a kid, I mean, there were multiple times we we were like tossed out of restaurants because I'm sitting there eating with my feet, you know. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are they? I mean, my goodness. I I think it's just because, you know, other people are complaining like, oh, that's gross. You know, can you, you know, get rid of that, get rid of that kid? And I mean, that that was And they would do it? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I wish I were in that restaurant. I mean, there was, I think in in middle school, that was the realization for me that it was like I was different, but it was like a, a bad 
different mm. for sure. And how did you process that? I mean, again, just the the way people treated you, the evil nature of it. I mean, it's yeah. really the sin nature of our flesh mm. for people to do that, to be ugly towards you because you have this handicap. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, it's totally out of your control. It's not like you choose this. I, I mean, it especially in, in my teens, early teens, uh, it really, I mean, it was a downward spiral uh, for sure. Um, I think just insecurity with myself, I started to hate other people, you know, because meeting new people for me was just, all right, another person who's going to judge me or, or, you know. I can't um, imagine. Yeah. yeah. And and then, too, it's like, I think very comparatively, even even though I was raised in church, I was was keeping score of God's love and grace towards me on my terms. And so what I started to do, I think, was— all right, God God loves you guys. Like, you know, he he gave you 10 fingers, two arms. Cuz you're normal. Right, right. And so wow. why why doesn't God love me like he loves you? And, right. and so even in that, like I I really started to question like the love and grace of God towards me just because of my circumstances. Hey, what a journey. Hmm. I mean, when we talk about that Philippians verse of, hmm. you know, I can do all things except tie my shoe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did you process that? Yeah, I, I mean, before I trusted in Christ, like I came to Christ at 15. Before I trusted in Christ, it was just kind of like there wasn't any sort of foundation of hope or strength or anything. But I, but I think in those days and months, you know, after trusting in Christ is my everything, yeah. I, I mean, that, that verse took a full, I think, just full-colored life in, yeah. in, in, in what I was doing. I, I, I've got to get off the soapbox here because that sermonizing is coming through. So I apologize <laughs> to people. Don't write. Don't send us an email. <laughs> I get it. I'm going to lower the flame now. But No, let, bring, bring it on, Let's man. get bring to that point where, okay, now you're going, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you a chance. Mm. Help me to what? Fill in the blank. Help me to love people more. What was the trigger for you to say, all right, I'm going to trust God? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was... Um, so a buddy of mine in school, he invites me to a, a youth group dodgeball it's lock-in. Those buddies. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, at is this, this, this is the overnight lock-in oh, kind of thing, Oh man. Right? Yeah. And uh, armless people are garbage at dodgeball. And so it's like, I get, I, you know, I get beaten to death, uh, for, oh, for the first gosh. four hours of the night. And, um, and then the youth pastor gets up, talks about God's love, quick little devotion. Night, night keeps going. Guys keep playing dodgeball. And I sit out, I'm, I'm done. And this youth pastor comes over and, and he starts to talk to me. And I think he very quickly mm. picked up, I think, just on my insecurity, my hurt. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. um, and, and as he starts to talk to me, I'm sitting here going, you know, man, you just talked to me about the love of God. And I don't see any of that love and grace in my life at all. And then he just very faithfully for probably the next hour, like walks me through just the biblical picture of God's grace towards me, not only in like that he very purposefully made me in my mother's womb like I am. I, I wasn't a mutation. I wasn't an accident. But then for him to walk me through the gospel too, that like what what God does is that even though I question his love for me, that he sends his son to live the perfect life I couldn't live, to die the death that I should die. God raises him to life to show his power over both sin and death. And to those who trust in him, he adopts you into the family of God and he sends you out on the mission of God. And I think for me to at that point to see the gospel in that lens and and for me to not keep score of God's grace towards me on my terms but on his yeah man that that changed everything that that was the night I yeah trusted and rested in Christ as my king and Daniel I uh, that's hmm. a an amazing statement that you're making and I don't want to go past it too quickly when you talk about that obstacle in front of you to say okay 
I believe God made me exactly how he wanted to make me. Mm. I mean, yeah. again, I'm, I'm sitting thinking of people that hold on to resentment yeah. for something they blame God for, yeah. for that bad marriage, for mm. that prodigal son who yeah. has walked away. How, I mean, how do you do that? How do you go, okay, Lord, I see this mountain in front of me, but I'm going to knock it down now and just walk over it because yeah. I know your purposes are bigger than my understanding. And I think that was the... You know, that was the path moving forward, you know, from that point. It's like, even though I had the foundation of, okay, Jesus is my everything at age 15, well, there's still the big honking question of, okay, God, why? Why Why no arms of all the things on the planet? And I, and I really, I struggled in, underneath the weight of that, I think, for the next probably four or five years. Yeah, which is normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I, I think as, as I got into my late teens, early 20s, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, he, he says, God comforts us in our affliction so we can grant that same comfort to others in their time of need. And, and what I started to realize for me is like, I have this very visible affliction, this very visible trial, but I also have a, a, a very clear opportunity to talk about this is how God in the midst of my brokenness gave me comfort and this is how I can grant it to you. Yeah. So it's like God God in my armlessness by his design has given me, I think one of my my single greatest, I think gospel opportunity mm-hmm. just, just in everyday life. Well, that's the clarity I was talking about, lining yeah. up those dots because yeah. it's very obvious. I mean, yeah. we all go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then when you start sharing what God has done for you, we're scratching our head thinking, right. how does this guy smile? How does yeah. he have joy? Yeah. Born with no arms. Yeah, John chapter 9 was another big mm-hmm. verse. I think we can all see how that, how you would feel relatable to that. Describe yeah. John 9. What is it talking about? And how did it speak to your heart? So Jesus and the disciples, they're, you know, they're doing their ministry thing. They're going town to town. And as they pass by, they see a guy that was born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Like, who messed up? He walks over to this man and he says, listen, nobody sinned. I made him this way so that the works of God can be displayed in his life. And then he goes on to, he, he spits on the ground. He, he makes mud, wipes it in the man's eyes. He goes and washes in the pool and he can see. But I think, I think very clearly to see, it's like Jesus didn't misspeak when he said, not that I'm going to heal him to show the works of God, but he said, I made him blind. Like I, I formed and fashioned him for his with, glory. with a disability to show the world more of me. And, and I think just that mm-hmm. singularity to see, uh, I mean, uh, across the whole of Scripture, to know that in his situation, in my situation, God didn't err. He, he fashioned me to show the world more yeah. of him. And that it's just like for, for me to faithfully walk in that, even, even if it's difficult. Wow. This is so rich and so good. I'm going to get to some of the stories in the book because, again, they they illustrate your life and what you have stood for and yeah. how God has worked in your life. There's a story in there about being at, at McDonald's, which I love. <laughs> Describe what was going on, what were you there to do other than get a, a meal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but And then how did people respond to you? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those deals. Uh, I, I was a student pastor at the time, so I was prepping a, a sermon to preach at a friend's church about being on mission. And and, um, and so I'm walking in and I walk beside a, uh, there's a Greensboro, I'm, I'm, at the time I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And so there's a Greensboro city cop walking in with me. And I actually, I opened the door for him and held it open for him. Oh He's my. like, what's this armless guy doing? And so, That's you know, we, amazing. so we both go up, we order and, um, and, I, and as I was getting ready to pay, I keep my debit card in my shoe. And so I whipped my debit card out kind of quick out of my shoe and swiped it through the credit card reader. And he literally, he, he put his hand on, on his sidearm, just, I think out of reflex, like what's going on. And, uh, and he looks over at me and I was like, 
I'm unarmed, don't shoot. You know, and he's like, ha ha, ha ha. You know, it's like, we kind of we kind of had this like awkward moment, like, hey, you almost killed me, but I'm okay with that. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm and, unarmed. Uh, and, uh, uh. and so I, I go outside and I, I start eating my biscuit and my hash browns and he comes out to me. And so we start to talk and then come to find out he, he had a son with autism. Uh. And, and so he, he wanted to know, he's like, how did you get to where you are with this sort of joy, with this sort of hope? And I get to share the the gospel with this man, you know, right on the, the hmm. patio of McDonald's. But then it was wild. Like over the next two hours, it was like I go back in to refill my iced coffee. I get talking to a mother and a daughter um, who's same deal. They're watching me do stuff with my feet. And they're like, well, why are you so happy? And I get to share the gospel with them. And then there's, you know, landscapers like we're working on the flower beds out, out there at McDonald's and much the same. They're watching me eat a biscuit with my toes um, and, and they want to know the story. They want to know the hope. There's there's three mm. friends that end up like sitting out on the patio. They want to know the same, you know, and it's just like in, in the next two hours, it's like as I'm prepping for a sermon to be on mission, God's letting me know, like for us as believers, our mission doesn't necessarily have to happen under the roof of a church. Our, our mission happens in a McDonald's. It happens on our community mm. ball fields. It, it, it happens when we just, when we interact with so many people in our lives. And I, and I think for, for me to realize in that moment, my opportunity to speak to hope more often than not, it comes away from a stage. It, it, it comes when I just get to look a person in the eyes and, and tell people about how, how Jesus has taken what the world thinks is a broken life and he's using it for his glory. Oh, without a doubt, when you said that, I mean, I think most of the mission effort should be outside the walls of the church, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We go there to be filled up so we could take him to the community, mm -hmm. Amen. ideally, yeah. you know? So we shouldn't be relying on the pastor to take care of us, yeah, right? He's yeah. there to, you know, equip us, equip us mm. to go do. <clears throat> and uh, man, you're doing it. Just as a, a an insight, though, I mean, you dreaded speaking publicly. Hundred. And again, here's the funny thing with the Lord: I don't care if you have arms or don't have arms. He can often push you into your area of perceived what you see as weakness mm. or oh, absolutely. dread. Absolutely. How did you overcome the fear that many people have of people? speaking publicly yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a painfully introverted person mm -hmm. you know and um and just really really insecure around other people i, I i've got like I'll deal with some anxiety. Um, and uh, and so for God to call me into ministry, you know, God called me at 16 and I'm going, Lord, I'll know about this. And I, I was just really scared and insecure, but it was like the, the more I prayed about it, the more I reflected on it, for me, it was, I have this hope that the world needs to know. I have this hope that that changed my life. And the most selfish thing I can do is to keep it to myself. And, and so I think it was it was that single single fact yeah. that it was like, all right, God. And again, you know, to go back to Philippians 4.13, if I'm going to put that as like the bumper sticker verse on my life and to say, I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Well, that doesn't mean I get to ex exclude mission, that I get to ex exclude like serving him. And so I guess I had to put my money where, where my mouth was. Yeah, and, or uh, excluding I, the tough parts of life. Yeah, oh, that absolutely. You can do that too. Absolutely. In Christ, that's yeah. the point. Uh, let me ask you, uh, because you sound and, and really are buoyant yeah. in the spirit and mm. i can see it we both mm. are seeing your smile yeah, and all too. but i've got to think at times there's still some discouragement that would oh, make man. you normal and yeah. human yeah <laughs> and i think people that are going wow i just don't know that i could live like daniel mm. even with my little thing whatever it might be fill in the blank yeah how do you how do you face discouragement maybe with heather your wife 
How do you get through those moments where, you know, you are pulled down a little bit? Yeah, I I mean, you know, because again, it's like, even though I have my identity and purpose in Christ, like you're saying, I mean, there's still some days where it's like, I wish it was different. You know, I, I wish my my kids didn't have to have a, an armless dad with a with a fishbowl life. Like I, you know, but I think too, it's just like you know, you see Paul over and over. Like he he just preaches grace. I think both to himself and into the church. You know, it, it's like was it First Corinthians fifteen? He says it's the gospel in which we're saved, but it's the gospel in which we stand. And then he, you know, Paul even goes on to say it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And so, I, I think. As much as our hurts and our afflictions and our insecurities become the most apparent part of our life at times when when we're walking through that, I think it's to be faithful to preach the grace of God. Like mm-hmm. even even if it's like in the picture of the gospel, in the picture of how He's made us, but even in in like that James one picture that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And and I think to preach that grace to ourselves that it's that you know what by God's grace I've I've woken up this morning by God's grace like I, I get mm-hmm. to enjoy uh, you know whatever relationships that I have or or just I, I get to enjoy a pretty sunrise sunset. I mean just just for us to as tangibly as we can to look at the grace of God in our life and to celebrate it. I so appreciate that because I think we do complicate our lives and we don't notice those little blessings every Mm day. And if you're in a place of depression or anxiety, just start with small steps, Mm -hmm. thanking the Lord for those things you can hang on to. Yeah. Uh, there was a story that you had about being at a Starbucks and a business guy. Again, I think retail's your action, man. Uh, okay, <laughs> apparently, I need, I, need a, I need a sermon prep uh, with, with coffee more, I think. No so. kidding, so here you are at the Starbucks. What, did, what happened with this business guy? Yeah, so I mean, same deal. I'm sermon prepping, got my headphones on, because you know, Starbucks can be a little noisy. And um and I'm always aware people stare at me a lot in public and so I clear this guy right beside me he's staring at me a lot like he, his eyes keep cutting over and um he's intrigued and, yeah mm-hmm. and, and so you know for me it's like I understand you don't exactly see, armless people don't grow on trees you know mm-hmm. like and, and so I, I understand um and uh and as he gets ready to leave like he gets up and it's like he sets down it was like a Starbucks like cardboard coffee sleeve he just put it on my table and he walked out and at first I was like. What a jerk. I don't want to throw away your trash. Like, <laughs> man, like, what are you doing? Good. I'm glad for that normal and, response. Yeah, That's yeah. what I would have thought. And, um, and so I'm like, I'm kind of in a huff and I, and I go to pick it up and he had like split the coffee sleeve open and he wrote a note on the inside of the coffee sleeve. And oh. he was just like, brother, I'm, I'm having a really hard time um, in my life. Uh, he was in a, a bad family situation with his brother, but he was like, just watching you today. Oh encouraged me and thank you for being willing to just be you Hmm. and and i mean it's like i didn't even talk to this dude but you know just to be just to be present in in some way god used uh, i think to encourage this guy you know again and what's so profound about that i don't want us to miss it is the lord using you in a profound way without words Hmm. because it's so obvious yeah yeah you have overcome this and it ministers to people's hearts Hmm. because Hmm. we're in a pity party about something that is so much less significant than when we see you and what you've got to overcome. That's powerful. Mm. Um, You mentioned in the book that God had and obviously is uh, laying out this amazing plan for your life. And he has a plan for every person. I think that's the point. You don't have to be armless to serve the Lord. It's funny even saying that. Yeah. But what does the Bible reveal about God's plan for every believer? I mean, again, you know, for us to realize it's like God's made us 
to display him in his glory, you know, and, and that God did not make a mistake in how he made us. God did not make a mistake in, in redeeming us. Yeah. And, and so I think in view of that, it's like we can leverage what we have to show the world more of him. And it might not be, you're not, you, you might not preach a sermon. You might not lead on the worship team in your church. You might not even be a small group leader, but it's like, I mean, Jesus said, it's like the, the mark of following me is that you love one another. That's how people yeah. know you are my disciples. And, and so I think it's, it's incumbent on us to, to very openly in this bombastic culture that we live in. I think one of the most world altering things that we can do is to love people well, even if they don't love us well. And that's, even in small steps like that, that's how we change the world in that as we love others, it affords us the opportunity to speak of the one yeah. of why we love. And, and so I, I, th- I think for us to just allow our lives to open the door, to, to scatter the seeds of the gospel into people's lives. And that's how we concluded a great conversation with Daniel Ritchie on Focus on the Family. And I do hope you were encouraged by his testimony and the hope he's found in his relationship with Jesus Christ. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Well, I've certainly been encouraged and challenged, and I think this has been a good challenge for all of us. You know, if Daniel can do this, if he can minister in a McDonald's and a Starbucks, what can we do? How can we show the joy of the Lord so that people are attracted to what we have? Isn't that the way it should be? (laughs) If you feel that you've disconnected from the Lord, not recognizing when he's speaking to you, let me encourage you to get a copy of our resource on offer. It's called Discerning the Voice of God, How to Recognize When God is Speaking. You'll find that on our website at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. And let me remind you that Focus on the Family is here for you. If you're struggling in your marriage or you're facing a challenge in your parenting and you feel stuck, contact us. Our team of Christian counselors will listen to you, they'll pray with you, and they'll point you on the path toward healing. Again, we're just a phone call away. It's 031-716-3300 or visit safamily.co.za. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.